everyone. My name's Alison. I attend the 10 o'clock and the 5.30 services, and I'm going to read Psalm 8 for us now. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Got to get that height. Hi there. I'm sure you just saw me playing with my hair. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the length that it's getting, but it's getting cut off tomorrow, I hope. Uh, so uh, this will probably be the last week you get to experience this majesty. Good morning. Uh, it's really lovely to be together. I hope you are enjoying uh, joining us online. I hope you're also, more importantly, looking forward to getting back together in person. 31st of October, put it in your calendar uh, and get keen because it's going to be so good to be back here at Central Villages uh, with each other in the building. Uh, this is week two of our new series, uh, Christianity Good and True. Uh, over the next couple of months, we're going to be thinking about Christianity from a heap of different angles, particularly some of the angles that people like to kind of critique Christianity from. What we're going to see, I hope, is that when you kind of clear away a bunch of the confusion, you're actually left with something rather nice. You're left with something rather compelling. You're left with a, a Christianity that is true and good. Now, we're going to be looking at Christianity from a bunch of different angles. I want to flag, though, uh, that one of the angles that we're not going to be coming at from uh, this time around is the angle of sexuality. And that's not because we don't think Christianity is good and true in what it has to say in that area of life. Uh, it's just because to do that area justice, we'd have to do 10 talks just on that one topic alone. And so, for the time being, we're going to park it to one side and aim to come back to it at some other point down the track. We did a talk last year uh, thinking through sexuality and this sort of big topic um, so you might like to have a look at that, though. Now, even with these kind of questions of sex, sex and sexuality being put to the side, there's still heaps for us to talk about, uh, like what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to think about how Christianity is good and true and explains our existence. Good, true, explaining our existence. Now, why is there this universe? Why is it here? Why are we here? Why is there meaningfulness to be had and not just kind of an endless expanse of cosmic mush? You know, why are there smart, social, sentient beings who are sitting on a planet and for whom some of us are going to spend the next 20 minutes thinking about these kind of big questions? To all of those kind of topics that we might ponder, the Christian faith gives a very compelling, very comforting, very credible answer. That there is a God behind it all. That there is this being responsible for it all. A little bit like the, the author of a novel, he, he stands outside the story, but he's also intricately involved in the story as well. He, God, is the explanation, the ultimate explanation for why all of this exists. It gets put really well in that bit that we read a minute ago, Psalm 8. It says, Lord, our Lord, 
How majestic is your name in all the earth? You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? The Bible is urging us at this point to look up, to look up and and soak in the night sky and be blown away by seeing these wonders but more importantly, by realizing that the ultimate wonder is that there is somebody who is responsible for them. And the wonders then kind of follow on as you, as you realize that the one who made these heavenly cosmic things, he wanted for us to be here as well. It's amazing to think that we are living in a world that is clearly created for us to live in. This is, I think, really good news This is a big part of the good news that Christianity comes to bring into our world, especially for any of us who sometimes feel lost or feel a bit adrift or feel as though maybe there is nothing behind all this after all. The good news of Christianity isn't just that Jesus died for our sins, isn't just that He lived so that we might live, as brilliant and good as those things are. But why those things? Why did Jesus die for us? Why does Jesus live for us? It's because we are wanted. There is a God who cares You are not an accident. God has intended for you to be here. Your existence was planned by Him. There is meaning to be had. Why does all this exist? Christianity's answer is God. That there is a Creator standing behind it all, responsible for it all. Which means that we have a thoughtful and purposeful and deliberate and designed universe a universe that has been crafted with some care. And now that is a fairly bold statement to make, isn't it? You know, you start making claims about a creator God and you very quickly start kind of rubbing up against these very prickly ideas that maybe science thoroughly disagrees with all of that. You know, you might be sitting there hearing all this stuff about God being a creator and this universe being you know, designed and deliberate, you might be thinking, gosh, that just sounds so lovely. It just really stinks that I would have to give up being a rational person to believe it. You know, there is, so we are told, this unbridgeable chasm between Christianity and being scientific and rational, and that you can't have both of them at the same time. I want to say, if, if you're tending in that direction, then please don't jump to that conclusion too hastily. You know, maybe you can be a combo of rational and scientific and a Christian all at the same time. Ard Louis, uh, the Oxford professor of theoretical physics, uh, he's one person who certainly thinks so. Uh, He is a Christian, but he's also a scientific genius. And it's not as though he's somehow living this kind of like double life, you know, he's being scientific all week when he's a lecturer, and then on the weekends he kind of lays that aside and and picks up his religion and then switches back and forth. It's not that at all. Someone like Ard holds these things together. He's gone on the record as saying, he says this, I think the more we learn about the world, the more it points toward God rather than less. You, just like Ard Louis, can hang on to the Bible's angle, that this world exists deliberately and for a reason. And you don't have to turn off your rational brain in order to think like that. And that's because as we... As we study this world through the lens of the scientific method, 
What we see about this world is more and more evidence that points us in the direction of a God who is responsible for bringing all this about. Let me take you through some of the stuff that, that we see. We see order and not disorder. It's really intriguing that, that life on planet Earth seems to flat out disobey one of the fundamental laws that governs this universe. You know, there are these so-called laws of physics that we can observe things happening over and over again in a repeatable way. One of them is known as the second law of thermodynamics. It observes that in a kind of closed system, a system being left to its own devices, things will always, always drift towards disorder. They'll drift towards entropy, as it gets kind of put in scientific terms. Things fall apart if they get left alone. They degrade if they get left alone. And it's only when something kind of comes in from outside the system and tinkers with the system that it doesn't descend into chaos, but instead becomes more structured and more neat and more orderly. It's a little bit like gardening. You know, if I'm wanting to keep my garden beds neat and tidy, then I need to be constantly involved in it. I need to be in there pulling out the weeds and planting things and spreading mulch and stuff like that. If I just stand back and ignore my garden beds, which some of you who have been past my house will see that that sometimes happens, if you just stand back and do nothing, then things inevitably get messy. That's the way it kind of naturally works. And so it's amazing then, when it comes to the development of life on earth, and, and, and human beings in particular, that it really does seem that things have not just been left alone. Our atoms, our cells, the kind of building blocks of life as they come together, they are breathtakingly ordered and breathtakingly structured. They are complex and sensible in a way that we frankly struggle to explain if our answer for the reason behind all of this universe is that it's just unguided and accidental. When it comes to life on this planet, things get more ordered over time, not less ordered. Our existence, it breaks the rules for how stuff in our world should work. That fact is, is a fact that is crying out for an explanation. And I think the best explanation is that there is a cosmic gardener out there kind of coming into the system and doing things to, in order to ensure that it doesn't just descend into chaos. We see order, not disorder. And when we see that, it makes us think, maybe the Bible's account of how things exist, maybe it checks out after all. The same thing applies when you see that the universe had a definite beginning point, that there was this moment in time where it all kicked off. We see a Big Bang, not the inexplicably popular TV show, I don't get that at all, but the scientific theory put forward by a Roman Catholic priest who just happened to also be a, an astrophysicist, George Lemaitre. I've probably botched that pronunciation. Apologies to the French speakers out there. Uh, George, let's just call him George, he argued that the best explanation for what he was seeing about this expanding universe is that it began at a beginning point. Uh, even so, uh, the theory was resisted for a very long time by scientists, not because they couldn't see how it made sense, but because they, they heard this theory and they thought, gosh, that sounds sneakingly close to the Genesis account of how this world began at a moment, at a word from God. And so, scientists, for many years, mocked the idea. Even the name the Big Bang was coined by a sceptical scientist who intended it to be used to make fun of what he thought was a ridiculous idea. 
However, as the years went on, the evidence just built up, and the scientific community at last kind of had to admit defeat and embrace the idea. Because all of the observable evidence points towards this. The previous theory that they've been running with about the creation of our world, the reason for it existing, was the steady state model, where everything has just always existed. There's nothing being created, it's just always been there, all the way back in time, all the way forward in time. Which means, hey, hey, no need for a creator, how convenient. But then the Big Bang comes along and it flips that script. It requires for there to be an external cause, something flicking the start button for this universe to then come in and exist. Because nothing we know of in this universe ever comes into being without some sort of causation. And so the Big Bang invites us to ask this question of what or even who could be responsible for it all. Alex Vanenkin is an important astrophysicist who works in this area uh, to this day. He said this, he said, with the proof now in place, cosmologists can no longer hide behind the possibility of a past eternal universe. There's no escape. They have to face the problem of a cosmic being. We see a big bang. We see a beginning to everything. And it starts to make us wonder, maybe what the Bible has to say on this whole topic of the reason for our existence checks out after all. The same thing applies when you come to look at the kind of settings that are able to be observed functioning in our universe. Settings that have been set just right to allow for all of this to take place. And this is the last thing that we're going to look at today. And the fact that science sees fine-tuning in this world. Fine-tuning is, for me, I think, uh, the most fascinating thing that we can observe scientifically about the world. Because it's not just the fact that the universe does exist that kind of points to an intelligent external cause, but it's also the manner in which it does exist. You know, logically speaking, all that there is should just be a sea, a vast sea of meaningless mush spread out across the universe. That's what creation should be like. But it's not like that. Instead, it is meaningful. And this kind of meaning only happens when a bunch of the settings that kind of stand behind what we can see have been tweaked to be just right. Uh, this whole concept gets, gets nicknamed the Goldilocks enigma, you know, after the idea that things have been made just right to be compatible for life. For instance, the, the gravitational constant the force of gravity that every single atom in our beings exerts on every single other atom in existence, if it is slightly off, if it is slightly different, then everything would just be mush. Like, as in, if it was different by even one trillion, 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 trillion of a percent, this world as we know it would not exist. That's pretty interesting. Or, or take the, the distribution of mass and energy that is across the universe. If it was just kind of slightly different at the starting point, then only mush would have existed. It would just be a universe of black holes with no chance of life ever forming. But instead, instead the settings were set to be just right, to allow for all of this. It, it's the equivalent of my kids grabbing their big Lego tub, 
filled with thousands of random blocks, and in the process of tipping it out on the floor, which they quite like to do, which drives us crazy, but as they're tipping it out, the blocks just happen to fall in a way that forms a little model of the Eiffel Tower. Is that possible? I guess it's possible. Is it likely? Not at all. These things just do not happen by random. Maybe one of these settings being just right could have just been dumb luck from a kind of random, unmanaged start to the universe. But as scientists study things, they've discovered 30 of these things, 30 fundamental numbers, all aligned perfectly. 30 numbers where if even one of them was out by one trillion, 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 trillion of a percent, then there'd be nothing for us to know. It's the kind of thing where if it happened in a casino, you know, people rolling exactly the right numbers squillions of times in a row, then there's no way the people running the joint would just say, ah, oh, well, that must just be dumb luck. No way. They'd be calling the police because the only real satisfying explanation to that would be that the dice are loaded, that someone is cheating, that it isn't random after all. And so when you realize that the exact same thing applies to us, applies to our creation, it gets you thinking, doesn't it? Things are suspiciously too perfect, way against the odds. And this fact leads for stacks of people observing this and trying to wrap their minds around this, and they realize, gosh, this can't be random, can it? William Phillips is a Nobel Prize winning physicist, and he's made this comment about the Christian faith making, making sense in the logic of the universe. He says, I see an orderly, beautiful universe in which nearly all physical phenomena can be understood from a few simple mathematical equations. I see a universe that, had it been constructed slightly differently, would never have given birth to stars and planets, let alone bacteria and people. And there is no good scientific reason for why the universe should not have been different. Many good scientists have concluded from these observations that an intelligent God must have chosen to create the universe with such beautiful, simple, life-giving properties. Many other equally good scientists are nevertheless atheists. Both conclusions, though, are positions of faith. We observe this world. Scientists pay very close attention to very fine details. And what we observe rather than pointing us away from a God being responsible, actually points us towards that. We see order. We see a big bang. We see fine-tuning. We see these things happening in our universe, and you add it all up. And what it equals is that existence makes best sense with God being at the controls. And at that point, it's a pretty short step to say that the Bible's take on our creation isn't just good, but it's also true. If you're looking for an explanation, a, a satisfying and sensible, and dare I even say it, a scientifically credible explanation for why all of this exists, then the pages of the Bible are actually your friend in that quest. You're not a gullible dummy if you open up your Bible to the first page 
and read those words that it starts with. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You are not a dummy if you read that and draw big comfort from knowing that we're not alone. I think it's a really lovely moment when you realize that you can be perfectly rational and trust Jesus at the same time. I can remember my dad going through exactly that. He's probably watching. Hi, Dad. Um, Back in the mid-2000s, my dad came to faith in Jesus. You know, he became a Christian, decided he wanted to trust Jesus with his life and his eternity. Uh, The science side of things, there was always a niggling question for him, a bit of a problem. My dad is someone who has always loved to think rationally. And so I can remember us once all being on a camping trip and dad's sheer excitement at reading a book that was explaining all of these facts to him about how science and faith fit together. He he could not stop talking about it. We all knew about what he was reading. I can remember us playing putt-putt in the caravan park one day and he just couldn't concentrate on the game at all because he just wanted to keep on talking about this stuff he was reading about how he was a Christian and it made sense logically, scientifically. Our faith is not just a nice-sounding thing, but it's something we can believe with confidence. Science so often gets kind of waved around as this kind of get-out-of-Christianity-free card. You know, I can't take Jesus seriously because science says so, is the kind of vague impression that people get. But the real picture is actually nowhere near that simplistic. There are heaps of signs from our scientific study of the world that point us directly towards the existence of a God who created. The order and the majesty and the logic and the structure of the universe, all of it is crying out for an explanation. And atheism just cannot give it. We know the God who can. Let me pray and thank God for Him. Lord God, How wonderful to ponder what you have done. How wonderful to be able to look at our world and see that there is someone behind it all. How wonderful to be able to open the pages of your Bible and hear your retelling of the story of creation and realize not only is it good, but it is also true. Lord, thank you that we can have confidence. Thank you that we can have comfort in knowing that we're not alone. Lord, please help us to seek answers to our questions where there are questions. Please help us to talk with others when we need to talk to others. Please help us to take science seriously, but also to take our Bible seriously. Thank you that we can be rational Christians. Amen.